Welcome in one and all to the Pro Football Show for this Friday, April 10th. Hoping this podcast finds you in good health and in good spirits. We wish you all the best on this holiday weekend, this holiday week, this holy week. Hope that, again, your spirits are doing well and you're plotting through this difficult time that we're all going through and uh, hope that we can provide some respite from that. But be safe and uh, have a great time with your family um, and take care of one another and your neighbors. Check in on them. Always good to check in on your neighbors. Did that myself, particularly the ones that maybe are that live alone. You you all always worry about them, and you never know. And uh, so you, it's always good to check in with them. Well, this podcast is brought to you by our great friends at 401k Generation, the experts in financial planning, the experts in money management, understanding investments, understanding money management, understanding risk reward, understanding the market, understanding how you need to be functional for your future financial well-being. They can help you handle all of that and you can do that by a couple of ways you can give them a call or give them a text just find out more about what they do you can also check them out on their website just go to landryfootball.com and on the left side just a little bit down you'll see 401k generation click on it and there's a link to their website check out what they do you can even leave them a message there but they're licensed in all 50 states so they can help you regardless what state you are listening to this podcast in and maybe you've got a financial planner. Maybe you don't. Uh, get a second opinion. Check. Get your financial checkup, as I like to say. It's really, really important. So give them a call or a text today at 1-866-998-5879. Once again, 1-866-998-5879. Make sure that you are listening not only to this podcast, but our college podcast each and every weekday. Why? breaking down a lot of prospects for the draft. So if you're an NFL fan and you're listening and we've got some, uh, we're going to break down a few guys today. Uh, you hear Gross Mattis and Marlon Davidson and Josh Jones and maybe LaVisca Chenault. We're going to try to get into as many of those today as we can. Maybe just a couple, I don't know. Um, but we do that every, each and every day. We'll go through a few players within the region. Uh, of the conference show that we're focusing on that day. But you want to make sure you check that out. How do you do that? How do you make sure that you get it directly to your phone each and every day? Sign up for Landry Football's Conference Call wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. And make sure that you are checking out LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of our scouting season offer. That's what this time of year is, recruiting. It's the draft. It's free agency. Uh, very important time of the year. Our work has not stopped. Uh, we know there are not any games this time of year. We know the XFL stopped. We know their spring, uh, spring practices stopped. We know that OTAs will be limited, if, uh, if not eliminated, from the NFL. Still a lot of preparations going on for the football season, and we are there for you and with you each and every day. Check out our notebooks, our college football notebooks, our NFL notebooks each and every day. Check out our draft boards. Uh, look at our draft. See what a true NFL draft board looks like. And then listen to what a real scouting report sounds like. 
over at LandryFootball.com. So check it out today. You're going to absolutely love it. And at the scouting season offer, it's less than a magazine subscription. Less than $5 a month will get you access to an NFL-style scouting department. So check it out today. Um, as far as the biggest news of the day, it was involving the Texans again. Acquiring Brandon Cooks this time, trading for a receiver. We remind you, of course, that at the start of free agency, they traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. Acquired David Johnson in that trade. They acquired Brandon Cooks and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft from the Rams in exchange for the 57th overall pick in the 2020 draft. Um, So a second-round pick basically is what they did it for with a little sweetener in it. So um, they still have the number 40 overall selection that they received in the DeAndre Hopkins trade. So in essence, uh, Cooks will slide in as Hopkins' replacement. He's a a talented guy, not as talented as Hopkins, who is, uh, but he's got versatility and uh, can be a solid number two wideout. Uh, Cooks has suffered from some concussion issues. Not miss much time. He's coming off the worst year of his campaign. Somehow it's the third time he's been traded in three years. Um, he didn't survive in New Orleans with Drew Brees or in New England with Tom Brady. So we'll see how this plays out. So um, certainly uh, we'll see how this plays out from Cook's standpoint and how this plays out from the Texas standpoint in terms of trying to fix their receiving core. Uh, it is uh, obviously a bigger issue than just not trading talent for talent, but you're dealing with fight with personal and financial issues that just were not uh, working very well with DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien. But that's the details of that trade, and we'll see what they can do. Perhaps drafting a receiver high is in the offing, but one of the things you try to do around draft time is make sure that you prevent yourself from having to take a position of need and getting a lesser player. So um, big reason why to go ahead and, uh, and and try to at least shore up as best you can um, your uh, weakness in uh, on your roster, in which they certainly have to upgrade at receiver. Uh, some other free agent transaction news. The Chargers re-signed cornerback Michael Davis to a one-year $3.25 million contract. Solid year for the Chargers last year as the number three corner. Projects as the odd man out with signing Chris Harris uh, to pair with Desmond King and Casey Hayward. We'll see, though. We mentioned that maybe there's possibility of trading Desmond King, so maybe we'll see if this is insurance to maybe make that deal. So, they're, they certainly have a lot of corners and a lot of ability to match up, but they play a lot of dime packages, uh, one of the, the, the highest percentage of dime packages in the league. So certainly having uh, that much depth there uh, really helps. Um, it's sounding more and more like the Steelers do not have an interest in Jameis Winston as Ben Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger's backup. We'll see. It's been talked about a lot, but there's nothing, at least that I'm gathering from inside the organization, 
that would give any interest or any indication that they have any interest in Jameis Winston. Uh, don't know where he's going to go, but there are more people that seem uninterested in Jameis Winston than are interested. All it takes is one. We'll see how this plays out. But doesn't look like there's going to be a home in Pittsburgh for Jameis Winston. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, that's the way it's looking right now. Is there going to be a home for J- JV and Clowney? Absolutely they're going to be. He's willing to sign a shorter-year deal to earn the bigger money. He, two things are the issue with Clowney. Asking price and the fact that people are unwilling to give that type of a price to someone that they feel has got some injury issues that you cannot unearth and uh, properly vet during this very unusual time we're going through. So I think he's looking maybe for a prove-it deal. We'll see how this plays out. Um, the Browns made a run. Doesn't look like the Seahawks are interested. Look, I think they're, from what I can gather, a lot of people are interested in Clowney. But in this case, people are interested, but not at the money that he is asking. Uh, Cam Newton is also someone that's kind of waiting for a home. Um, all of these guys may have to wait to after the draft to sign with a new team. You see where things are, how things shake out, who can fill their needs in the draft, and who doesn't, they may be willing to go back and revisit the possibility of signing a veteran like this. Money's going to be an issue, issue with Cam Newton. The biggest holdup remains the foot and shoulder injuries as well. Gotta That works in unison. Uh, if you said you could sign and, you know, there was a no-risk signing and you didn't have to put any capital outlay or cap uh, um, capital into his deal, well, yeah, it's not much risk. But the fact that you're having to pay a little bit of money and you don't know what you're getting health-wise, that's been uh, a deal-breaker to this point. But still something that at some point is going to clear up when we get back to some sense of normalcy of being able to do the medical evaluations. The market... The free agent safety, uh, Tony Jefferson's market has been stalled a little bit as well for the same reason, torn ACL. He's had interest from several teams, I know, and starting safety caliber, but it's just not something right now until he can get cleared, and so he kind of falls into that same category. The Chiefs re-sign Bashad Breeland to a one-year $4.5 million contract. Nabbed an interception in the Super Bowl, if you remember. The rest of the season was... More bad than good. He graded out poorly most of last year. He really, really did. Um, You know, continuity, improvement, same scheme. We'll we'll see if he can have a better year than he did uh, this past season. The Giants re-signed kicker Aldrich Rojas to a one-year $3.25 million contract. It's a second-round tender offer is what it is. He attempted just 17 field goals last year, missing five of them, going one for five from 40-plus yards out. He did drill 35 of 39 extra points. Did a pretty good job on his kickoffs. So they re-upped him this year. Uh, Interesting um, thoughts from Tampa is they are talking a lot about how much faith they have in Ronald Jones as a player, which is not in itself a story or a surprise. But – it's going to be interesting to see if they may look either through free agency or the draft to add another back. They need to. They need somebody that particularly can be someone that's effective as a uh, 
is a receiving option out of the backfield. One of the best running backs in football is Dalvin Cook, Winnie Southie. He believes he is the best. He's headed into a contract year, and he's been posturing about he's the best back out of the, the country and all that. That's great. His deal is going to be dependent, though, on how well he can play, but more effectively, how healthy he can be. Because when he's healthy, he is maybe not the best, but certainly in the conversation as the best running back in football. But availability trumps ability. And to this point, um, look, he's on a nice little run health-wise. Let's hope it continues. And the Rams and Coach Sean McVay say they've got to do a better job of getting Gerald Everett more uh, involved in their offense. They like his skill set. Tyler Higby did a good job. But Gerald Everett's a guy that they feel like they need to do a better job because he's got difference-making type skills uh, to get the ball in his hands a little bit more. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, Higby has got the big size, and obviously uh, they want to utilize both. So we'll see how how that develops as we get into off-season activity and uh, uh, season preparation. Utah's Zach Moss uh, has been given a clean bill of health uh, for a surgically repaired knee. Uh, information like this is really important to try to garner and get some verification from doctors that you trust. This is what you're having to do right now this year is to try to get as best information as you can and trust your judgment there. Uh, but he has been a durability question, still is to some degree, but at least will be healthy. And I think at least on a one-term deal, one contract um, in his rookie contract, I, I do think he's got really good value. Check where we have him on our draft board. We like him. We think he's a really good player. And the Lions uh, tell me they have absolutely been in a lot of discussions with teams about moving back. Now, listen, take everything with a grain of salt because they're going to say, oh, man, we're talking to a bunch of people. A lot of people are interested. Well, that just means that, you know, you, you better call. You better get into it. But I do believe in this case it's pretty clear and just I'm going to judge by what I sense, not what they say. Although putting two and two together, I, I can see where there is some consideration for the right price moving back. I do think there's a sweet spot to move back to. I do think they feel like, let's say, for example, that Jeffrey Okuda is their guy and they've got a couple of other really impact defensive players that they like, if they were to move from three to five, chances are they're going to get one of the elite guys that they like in this draft, and probably Akuda. I don't know that the Giants go in that direction, although they could. So if they were to move, say, from three to five, you would get whatever you could get in trade value, as much as you can get, and likely still get the same guy you would take at three. So I can tell you, and I've said it, it's going to be all about making a deal. And sometimes there are deal makers in this league, and sometimes people can't make deals. We'll see if the Lions can do it. I think the Lions, if they go in the direction that I think they're going to go, I think there's a deal to be made here. And I think the deal will still net them the player that they can get at three. And you can never guarantee that. But if you go from three to five, you know there are going to be a couple of guys, probably a Cuda that they like more, but there's going to be a couple of guys that they absolutely like and will absolutely positively can get at five, one of them anyway, 
So I think getting a deal done is something that we need to look out for and see if they can indeed do that. We're going to take a look at the NFC West a little bit, but I want to take a look at a couple of prospects on the defensive line. Uh, Eter Gross-Matos and Marlon Davidson, intriguing guys. And Gross-Matos is, is an interesting player. Um, he's got a great story, but a tough story to hear. <coughs> he's um, had a tough upbringing. His biological father tragically drowned. His brother was struck by lightning dying tragically in separate incidents before he was 11 years old. Um, it's really tough story to hear. Great young man, great resiliency, and somebody that you pull for that you know that can do a lot of good for a lot of people with the type of potential that he has. He's a really athletic, limber edge rusher with length and burst that you seek He's a little slim, but you can absolutely on his frame add some good weight to that lanky frame. Like his burst off the snap, you know, can challenge the corner and force the tackle on their heels, and he's got effective counter moves inside. He's a really good single rusher. He's got excellent coordination between his upper and lower body. Um, he can slap away at the reach of would-be blockers while getting his frame skinny and sliced through the gap. Um, occasionally asked to rush and drop out of a two-point stance, show enough of ba- showing enough of balance and agility to handle this role very well at the next level. Uh, plays hard. Plays really hard. Terrific effort laterally up and down the field in pursuit. Um, just really huge wingspan. Massive tackle radius. He's growing into his frame. You need to add strength. I have no problem with that. And mass in his lower body uh, to hold up as a as a defensive end, a full-time defensive end against the run. He can play in a reserve role or a spot role early. A little bit too reliant on his quickness to elude blockers in the run game, get washed out when targeted as a blocker, get in his chest. Impressive effort in spinning off blocks and pursuing downfield, but surrenders valuable yardage in doing so. He's... A little bit like Demarcus Lawrence coming out. Good juice off the edge. Made it immediate impact as a speed rusher. Uh, I, I think this guy's got, while not a lot of polish, got a lot of tools to work with, and I think he's got Pro Bowl potential. Marlon Davidson is a really interesting prospect. Everyone talks about Derek Brown, and rightly so. Marlon Davidson from Auburn is a um, four-year starter. First true freshman defensive lineman to start his initial game at Auburn in 30 years. Team captain, senior, compact, powerful, with a skill set and versatility to line up all over the defensive line, including as a stand-up rusher. Good quickness and core strength. Uh, really good bulldozing power to get blockers deep into the pocket. Wins with leverage, with good knee bend, and by firing out low and hard, physical player. It's not what I call light on his feet. He's a better athlete than his frame would suggest. Really loose hips, can change directions, smooth, 
uh, respectable pursuit speed, uh, good awareness in the passing lanes, good eye-hand coordination, lacks quick twitch explosiveness and bend to beat offensive tackles, used as a often as a stand-up edge rusher, but just shows limited burst in that role. Uh, does engage a little bit too much in reading the ball cash, uh, ball carrier and a little bit slow of ripping free from blocks. Um, pretty limited pass rush repertoire. I mean, he's really a bull rusher. He's a little more like an Allen Bailey type with the Falcons. Um, it's got some position versatility. I think can rush as an edge rusher power rusher on the left end, and I think you can reduce him inside as a bull rusher inside. I like him eventually as, as an inside guy as he gets a little bit bigger and stronger, but I don't see him as a great pass rusher. Um, you know, in his career. I think more of a power guy that can effectively push the pocket, but do that fairly effectively. We're going to wrap up our uh, look at the offseason and team needs. And we're down to the last four teams, and that's the teams in the NFC West. We've gone through the East, the North, the South of the AFC and NFC teams. AFC and NFC teams. And we've gone through the AFC West yesterday. You got the, N- the NFC West today. The Arizona Cardinals, first year coach Cliff Kingsbury. Just got two more wins than his predecessor, Steve Wilkes, who's fired after one season. But they feel, correctly or incorrectly, that they got their quarterback for the future. Their offensive design of the future in the quarterback and the head coach that can, the quarterback that can do it. They had a few moral victories, which I don't believe in in this league, but you can certainly see some signs of improvement in some of these so-called moral victories. The biggest win was obviously the fact that I thought Murray did some good things. Uh, It's an identity change. It went from receiver heavy sets after the fourth week of the season, and they had one of the better rushing attacks. Very impressed with that. You know, everybody says, oh, man, that, that air raid worked. No, no, no. What worked was that Kingsbury ran the football. It was not air raid centric. Very much a misnomer. They finished 10th by averaging 124 rushing yards per game and was second at five-point yards per carry. Murray was part of that. He rushed for 544 yards, and um, they finished 16 in points per game, 22.6. Defensively, they didn't do as good a job. Vance Joseph uh, is the coordinator, and that defense allowed the most yards per game uh, 402 in the NFL. Most notably and frustrating for them, they gave up 15 touchdowns to tight ends. Could not defend the tight end the entire year. And they began the year without cornerback Patrick Peterson, who sat out six games to two to a PED suspension. So as they grew old, the Cardinals way veterans like Suggs in favor of younger players, and they started to rebuild, and that continues. This past draft, of course, in addition to Murray, they got, um, you know, listen, I mean, they got Murray – and you understand it. I don't know how good of a player he's going to be. If you had a quarterback and you could have gotten Nick Bosa, we're talking about a different 
game-changing situation. Byron Murphy was a day-one starter. Andy Isabella didn't earn a lot of snaps, but flashed some big playability. There's some talents, not a lot of substance. Zach Allen, uh, Zach Allen got some heavy work early, but mixed results. Akeem Butler um, missed the season with a head injury. Deontay Thompson looked like a rookie in a rotational phrase. Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State garnered some buzz, but production didn't follow it. So got some ways to go. A um, little early, but needs some production out of these guys. It has been a bad five-year stretch for Steve Kahn. His best pick was probably Marcus Golden in this five-year stretch. Um, David Johnson was great in 2016 and ended up moving on from him. Second rounders, Buda Baker in 17 and Christian Kirk in 18 looked like good picks, but 16 and 17 drafts were almost entirely disastrous. Likewise, Josh Rosen was set up for failure. That didn't work. Had they been able to figure out their quarterback position, they could have maybe drafted Nick Bosa and had a quarterback. Now they've got Kyler Murray, a new offensive system that's still a big question mark, and you still are limited with defensive playmakers. So, look, it, it might work out if if Murray can become the player that they hope, but they've missed on a lot of guys. I mean, Nimdichke's been a, a bust. They've just had a lot of misses. So if you look at their needs, they need protection for Kyler Murray. They need to get um, some help and coverage. They need interior defensive line help. So with no additions to the offensive line outside of returning tackle D.J. Humphreys, they need to address the group up front through free agency in the draft. Um, Kyler Murray was at fault for most sacks of any quarterback in the NFL this past season. So the pass protection wasn't as bad as it seemed, but it was much improved over um, and it was much you know over uh, over the last season. But the Cardinals were. Still one of the worst run-blocking teams in the NFL. Right tackles got to be addressed. Defensively, they got several young, intriguing pieces, but the results weren't there. Patrick Peterson's contract is up after next year. Byron Murphy struggled as a rookie. Adding another competitor at cornerback is something they need to. They signed Jordan Phillips to a three-year deal, but he's not graded out all that well. So they got some work to do. Obviously, they acquired DeAndre Hopkins. They've got a playmaker now at receiver that can help. You hope that Kenyon Drake can be what they hope he can be. So fix the offensive line, get a couple of playmakers on defense in this draft, and and we're starting to talk about maybe signs of getting and taking that next step of being a pretty good team. The Los Angeles Rams are an intriguing group, um, making a run, making a Super Bowl run, thinking that they were really close, mortgaging in the future. What a mistake, what a lack of vision, what a lack of experience in the front office that's really hurting them, I think. And just were unable to catch capture the moment that catapulted them in the Super Bowl. Um, the offense took a step back. The defense was inconsistent, despite having an Aaron Donald, one of the top players in the game. They went 9-7 and seven and failed to make the playoffs for the first time in Sean McVay's three seasons. Obviously moved on from Todd Gurley. That was a problem health-wise. Um, Dono, again, was one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, the secondary had its problem. Jalen Ramsey was acquired from Jacksonville for a steep price. Mortgage the future. Basically are behind the eight ball to have to get a long-term deal done with him. 
the average um, gave up an average of 41 points over their last three defeats. So as their playoffs were kind of falling through their fingers, it was, you know, a lot of they just couldn't score enough points to to hang in there and win any games on the stretch. If you look at this past draft, um, didn't have a first-round pick. Plenty of rookies saw some, play, uh, saw some playing time, but Taylor Rapp had some rookie moments. Daryl Henderson drew some buzz. David Long is a little bit sporadic. Bobby Evans starred, thrust into the lineup at right tackle. Um, shaky group. Greg Gaines lost the competition at nose tackle. It's earning rotational work. David Ed, uh, Edwards um, injury replacement at guard. Um, you know, Nick Scott's, of course, special teamer, but still a lot to be desired. The look at their drafts over the past five years, you know, they found guys like Rob Havenstein and Gerald Edward and Taylor Rapp and Cooper Cup and John Johnson and Noteboom and Bobby Evans, Tyler Higby and Josh Reynolds and Samson Abukum and Brian Allen. Um, the coaching staff's really done a good job of developing those guys. Um, and they're very, very heavily involved in the draft, which has kind of saved the fact that their personnel department has been a little spotty there. Um, but they have drafted well, and so let's give the organization credit. Offensive line, got to get fixed. Edge defender, linebacker, other key needs. Uh, the offensive line was one of the better units in the league in 18, and their offense flourished. They fell apart this past season. Injuries, personnel changes. They finished 31st in offensive line rankings. They brought back Andrew Whitworth. There's not a position on the offensive line that can't be improved. Um, they need to add some new pieces on the defensive side. Edge defender becomes an area of need. Um, they lost Dante Fowler. Um, you know, they added Leonard Floyd. Not sure that helps them a great deal. Uh, Samuel Ibukum has still got some some development to do, but it's got some ability. Um, you know, we know they've got Aaron Donald, but they've got to do a little bit more with him. Um, Wade Phillips was fired. They brought in Kevin O'Connell. was hired uh, as offensive coordinator. And uh, Brandon uh, Staley is going to be the new defensive coordinator. Um, uh, they let go of Nickel Roby Coleman. They released him. Uh, Todd Gurley's gone. Michael Brockers was re-signed after – Signing with the Ravens but not getting a deal done, uh, he ends up coming back. So the Rams are in a bit of state of flux and maybe limited in their resources to try to get back on track. Going to be interesting to see how things play out for a team that looked like they were <clears throat> the organization to look out for in the West now uh, look clearly behind San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, and we'll see what the Cardinals can do um, as well. San Francisco, um, they shocked a lot of people in the NFL with their Super Bowl run this past year. And it was really spearheaded by vast improvements in two areas in which they were average at best the year early, the running game and the pass rush. They ranked just 13th in rushing in 18 and 118 yards per game then they skyrocketed to second in the NFL with 144 yards average 
This despite losing Jarek McKinnon in the preseason when it was determined that he needed an uh, additional year to recover from the ACL. So they had a committee approach. They had Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida and Rasheem Mosert sharing the load. The triple threat really killed opponents, uh, getting almost 2,000 yards rushing, 54 catches for an additional 480 yards and 19 touchdowns. So you can do it by finding guys and scheming well in the run game, and they did that. The defense made similar improvements, going from 13th in total yards per game to number two. In this case, one guy was most responsible, and that was Nick Bosa. Was an attention-grabbing player. Eric Armstead had a good year. DeForest Buckner excelled in a complimentary role. Now, he's moved on, but they forced opponents into 12 interceptions uh, one season after they've thrown a league low two. You look at, besides Bosa, Debo Samuel came on strong. Jalen Hurd flashed in preseason, but missed the regular season with a back injury. They got their punter in Wachowski. Greenlaw helped replace Quan Alexander and impress. Good in coverage awareness. Caden Smith waved in September. Justin School was forced into the lineup. Uh, so Bolson and Samuel were really as good as advertised. Greenlaw was a really good find for him. And Wachowski, well, the high investment ended up being pretty good. Over a five-year breakdown, they've done a really good job. Uh, they missed on their first two picks. They got a steal in Kittle and Aquila Witherspoon, Trent Taylor, DJ Jones, Mike McGlitchy in 18, Fred Warner, um, Nick Bosa's already a, an elite player, uh, Debo Samuel, got a starting punter, Drew Greenlaw's got a chance to be a really good player, Justin School, Eric Armstead, Jaquiski Tart. Um, so got some good players. I know Solomon Thomas hadn't, hadn't quite worked out, but they've got some good players. Um, they need um, a, a receiver. They're going to miss Emmanuel Sanders. Um, they're going to need cornerback help and in help on the interior offensive line. They did a good job of keeping Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward, but they couldn't keep Sanders. He's going to be missed. He had some of the surest hands in the league, dropped only one pass on 96 targets last year. Now they're in similar position to the one they were at the beginning of last year with Debo Samuel and not much else. So they've got to fix that somehow with quality signs in the second wave of free agency or in the draft. Um, they made the move. Now, they should target one of the top receivers on the board with their first-round pick they obtained from the Colts in the DeForest Buckner trade. So we'll see if they can turn that into it at uh, a receiver. Cornerback Richard Sherman still performing very, very well. But they need to upgrade with some youth that outside corner. Uh, Akilo Witherspoon has been up and down, but I still think has a lot of talent. And Emmanuel Mosley was solid last year. Hadn't um, – you know, it's not an emergency, but it's a need. Needing a good young guy to come in and help early is absolutely essential. The right guard position is the other big question mark after releasing Mike Person. Uh, you look at Garland and Brunskill and Compton are really the ideal fit. So I think they can find a corner. I think they can find a guard. I think receiver is probably going to be targeted in terms of value, in terms of need. Going to be targeted pretty high for them. And then 
the Seattle Seahawks. Last team we get to in our breakdowns. If you take a look at this Seahawk team, plenty of optimism amid the disappointment in the Seahawks locker room after Seattle's comeback bid fell short in the divisional playoff loss against Green Bay, which ended their 19th season. They came up inches short of beating San Francisco. We talk about San Francisco and the run that they had, but Seattle was right there with them. No one played them better, and it just it came short of beating San Francisco at, at home two weeks early in what would have clinched the NFC West title, and who knows? Probably, probably means that San Francisco's not making a Super Bowl run, and who knows? Maybe Seattle, maybe um, the Saints, who knows. Seattle managed through an ugly 17-9 win over Philadelphia in the wild card round, and it kind of epitomized their season. They finished the regular season 11-4, and but it was, I thought, a really good job of coaching with a beaten-up crew. They dropped three of their final four games while watching their top three running backs go down to seizing any injuries. They brought dramatic return of Marshawn Lynch, um, you know, I thought Carroll squeezed a lot out of this team. The average margin of victory in their 11 wins is 5.6. Several missed field goals in tight games. The average margin of defeat in the five losses were 11. If you look at what they did in the draft, D.K. Metcalf was questioned. Boy, no questioning now. <laughs> really good. Um... The rest of the class, not so much. Collier's got to play better. L.J. Collier was drafted in the first round out of TCU. Drafted as a Michael Bennett type, inside-outside threat. Um, Didn't do a whole lot, had an ankle injury. Marquise Blair, the safety from Utah, is a big, intimidating hitter, but was inconsistent, but got good experience. Need him to step up. Cody Barton, his teammate out of Utah, was targeted by defenses after Michael Kendrick's injury, but steadily improved. Those are the really core guys. DK Metcalf is off off to a good start. Gary Jennings, a West Virginia receiver, was waived. Didn't appear in the game. Phil Haynes, the offensive lineman from Wake Forest, was activated from PUP. Made a good debut in the wild card win over Philly. Uh, Ugo Imada from the safety from Oregon played in all 16 games. Um, Showed some versatility in the slot and potentially some free safety ability. Ben Burke Irvin from uh, Washington, local guy that's good special teams player. Travis Homer, the running back in Miami, thrust into a starting role week 15. Held his own. He's got a little burst. Um, Demarcus Christmas spent the rookie season on PUP. John Ursha um, declared early for the draft. Didn't do a whole lot. There's potential here in this draft class. But Collier and Blair have to really – Take a step up. In the last five years, um, a lot of trades. They've got had 41 picks over the past four years. They've restacked the roster. Um, we'll see how this this draft and last year's draft come forward. They've got a quarterback, obviously, that's a great one, that is a winner, that is a leader, and has got a lot of ability. Uh, I think they need to revamp the offensive line. It's been an issue for them for a while, but they absolutely need to do that. They need help on the defensive line. They need a slot corner. Um, 
no quarterback has been under pressure a higher percentage more on their dropbacks than Russell Wilson. His ability to extend and avoid is what saves them. They were one of the worst pass-blocking teams in the NFL. They allowed pressure in 2.5 seconds or less 27% of the times in the dropbacks. Forced them into improvisational mode more often than you'd like to see. Dwayne Brown has been the only consistent player on the line, so upgrades anywhere, everywhere else make sense. That includes the signing of Cedric Ugabui, who uh, did not grade well. B.J. Finley, who was just a reserve but not real effective. So they were quantity, not quality moves. They're going to have to um, figure some things out on the defensive line. It does not look like they're going to be able to get a deal done with Jadavian Clowney. But even with Clowney last year, they force more pressure than only the Dolphins. So signing Bruce Irvins is, is you know, not enough. They've got more work to do. At corner, uh, the Quentin Dunbar should give them a boost, uh, Trey Flowers' spot, but they need to find a slot corner. Uh, they rarely ran base defense as in a, you know, 70% of their defensive snaps, nearly double the amount, um, um, you know, so they've got – to get somebody that can help them and nickel, uh, even though they do play in an ordinate amount of base. So, um, you know, I think a lot of what they did is they just weren't comfortable in their slot um, in their nickel defense. So they ran so much, 70% of base. So it's it's something that they've got to really look hard at. Uh, and they signed Greg Olson, not that impressed. Jerron Reed, not all that impressed. Luke Wilson, you know, not bad re-signing him. B.J. Finney, again, not much there. Chance Warmax re-signed. Uh, Quentin Dunbar can make uh, some positive signs. Philip Dorsett's pretty pretty solid signing. But Seattle is a team, another team in that division, I think, that's very dangerous, very well coached. And they're always on the verge, I think, of a good draft with a couple of impact players that can fix that offensive line uh, they need some guys on last year's draft to step up, like a lot of people do. But they got a lot of guys that I think could turn this team in a different direction. I think they're right there with San Francisco, and I think they're one of the elite teams in the SEC. We're going to end up the show today with a couple of questions from Kevin. Kevin asks, when I watch an NFL game, I often see receivers crossing each other uh, near the line of scrimmage, which appears to be a natural-looking pick. Illegal pick penalty seems somewhat rare, but it, when it is replayed, it's often look like a normal type of play. What's the reality with the penalty? Is it difficult to spot in real time, or is it kind of a gray area, uh, area issue? It's very much a gray area issue. Um, what you do if you you cannot – you have to run your route, and you can – run and what we call rub, but you cannot stop in an effort to block. You must continue your route. And it is a little bit of a gray area. It a little bit it is a little bit of a block charge uh you know judgment call in basketball type. So it's very much a gray area. The personnel strategy implemented by blind floors of the Dolphin seems a tad heavy handed. I understand that every situation is unique require certain actions, but under what circumstances do you consider the strategy to be more sound than risky? Well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I mean, obviously, he's bringing in players that he's comfortable with. Like a lot of folks, 
to their credit and to their dismay at times, they make a lot of moves that fit with guys that they're comfortable with, and we'll see how it works out. I personally think that guys like Drake and guys like Fitzpatrick are really good, and I would not have moved them. Um, they look at where they want to spend their money and you know, put their assets in, uh, cap assets in. We'll see what they do. I, I think it really uh, – here's what I would say is that he got that team to play hard and to play well. Remember, they were the tank for Tua. They're not going to win a game. And they not only played well and overachieved, they beat a Patriots team that was fighting for a seed in the playoffs. So, you know, they've done a lot of good things. Now, it's been more on the coaching side. I certainly would not be putting the personnel in the hands of Chris Greer. I'd certainly want to have Brian Flores oversee it and have Chris Greer kind of work under him. I don't know that it's going to work. Um, When you say by heavy-handed, more towards what he wants as a head coach, well, that's what all coaches do that have the control to do it. And in the Dolphins organization, they don't have a strong GM. They haven't had a good GM. They've had Tannenbaum, who was awful, with the Jets and with the Dolphins. So at least they've got football people making football decisions. Um, Not every decision in terms of personnel power with a head coach is going to work. People are questioning Bill O'Brien, and I think people are saying, well, Brian Flores is another Belichick assistant, and he's got control over personnel. He's going to screw it up like Bill O'Brien. No, not necessarily. Every situation is different. But I would certainly say that buyer beware that just because you work for Bill Belichick doesn't mean you can do it as well as he can. So only time's going to tell on Brian and the Dolphins. Um, Kevin also asked an historical question. He says the 1999 Jaguars were first in scoring defense, six in scoring, uh, first in scoring defense, six in scoring defense. I think you got some. Um, yeah, they were, I think, first in one, uh, first or six in scoring defense and the other in overall defense. And they had a 15-3 and three overall record. It says all three losses were to the Titans, which I was, yeah, was uh Titans team I was on. What were the key reasons for the Titans' matchup advantage that year? Uh, we were able to run the football. We could run the football consistently against eight-man fronts. They had a defense that was very aggressive. We caught them up, feel a good bit, and we blocked them very well. We blocked the eight-man front. We were built physically at the line of scrimmage, and we worked the tight end pretty well in the passing game, and we caught them in the regular season with the tight end game. And then in the playoffs, in the AFC Championship game in Jacksonville, when we beat them for the third time, the biggest thing we were able to do is defensively we were able to create a number of big plays. We forced a lot of pressure. We adjusted very well after the first series which Mark Brunell basically took the Jaguars down the field and having a lot of success. We did a really good job penetrating, and we were just a little bit more physical than Jacksonville. They were very good. They had good speed. They had a good quarterback. They had playmakers on offense. We were physical. We attacked them. Um, We got upfield penetration through the A and B gaps. We caused a lot of problems, forced the ball to come out quicker on defense, got good field position, and on offense – we control the football. 
uh, would control the line of scrimmage. So that's why we were able to do it. We didn't blow them out. We just we controlled the game at the line of scrimmage, and the physicality part of it is what helped us. It's also, by the way, what got us through Jacksonville, uh, through uh, Indianapolis prior to going to Jacksonville because we're just the more physical team. We beat up physically the Colts. Um, and we did wouldn't say we beat up the Jaguars, but we physically had the upper hand against them. So that was the reason for the 3-0 and record. Um, I appreciate the questions there. Good questions, Kevin. And reminder, if you got a question, send them to me at contactchris at LandryFootball.com. Remember to check out LandryFootball.com for all the draft boards, the scouting reports. Get what get to see what a real draft board looks like. Get to listen to what a real scouting report in the draft room sounds like. We got it all for you. So check it out today. And remember to check out the great folks at 401k Generation, the experts in money management, investment inquiries. Get your first opinion. Get your second opinion at 1-866-998-5879. Great folks, good football people, good football fans, but they're really experts in the financial industry that can get you the advice that you need on the current state of affairs, on what your needs are. Get yourself your financial checkup that you need today. So once again, give them a call or give them a text. Tell them that we sent you 1-866-998-5879. They're licensed in all 50 states. Uh, If you've got a business you're looking to promote, contact us over at LandryFootball.com and we'll be in touch with you and absolutely help you do that. And make sure that you're downloading not only this show, but our college football show each and every day. Remember, you can listen to a lot of scouting reports over at the college show and sign up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you sign up for your podcast. And take advantage of our scouting season offer over at LandryFootball.com. For less than $5 a month, you can get access to your own scouting department. So have a great weekend, everybody. Have a safe weekend. Have a blessed holiday weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday. For another edition of the Pro Football Show, I'm LandryFootball.com.